Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome back to the second series of The Moments That Made Me with me, your host, Roxina Fusi. Before we start, I just want to say a massive thank you to all of you who have tuned in, shared the podcast on your social media, left a review, sent me a DM, or recommended it to a friend. I have been so humbled and overwhelmed from the response from the first series, and I am just so excited that I get to share more episodes with you. I learned so much from each of my guests, so the whole experience of creating this podcast is one that really means so much to me and is absolutely helping shape me as a person each week. There are some amazing conversations for you to all to listen to, so please do subscribe, rate, leave a review and let me know which of the moments really inspire you. Sending you all my love, gratitude and high vibes. Now sit back and enjoy. To kick off series two, we have a very, very special lady, the wonderful Daniela Moyles. Daniela is an Irish model and presenter turned best-selling author. I actually met Daniela on my yoga teacher training course in Koh Samui in 2017 and was immediately drawn to her magnetic aura. She recently published her book, Jump, One Girl's Search for Meaning, and it has sat at the number one spot of the bestsellers charts for over six weeks already. And once you hear this conversation with her, you'll know why. Daniela is one of the most articulate and inspiring women I've ever come across, and I can't wait for you all to hear just a snippet of her wild and wonderful story. Hello, Daniela. Thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here and to like get to hang out with you virtually again. <laughs> I know. It's so crazy because of COVID-19, we're not together so we're doing this virtually online but the last time we actually saw each other was in Thailand on um, a yoga retreat in 2018 doing our yoga teacher training not a retreat you doing our yoga teacher training course yeah. and we were in such different places in our lives and it's kind of wild to be kind of here together now I know and so much has changed for us both so much do you know what I actually have Vikasa as one of the moments that made me but we'll get to that but hasn't it changed so much oh and it's been God. amazing to like voyeuristically watch each other grow <laughs> online <laughs> totally and Daniela you've just released a book called Jump which I mean has done phenomenally well so I have so many questions just quickly but firstly can you just tell people what the book is about and secondly did you expect it to do as well as it has done? So the book is a memoir. Um, it's in two parts. One is kind of an examination of, I suppose, all of the points that brought me to a breakdown. And the second half is the recovery. Um, I never in a million lifetimes expected it to be received as it has been. In fact, when you're so close to something, you really, I think, probably tell yourself the opposite. You have a real inner critic around it. You're probably your own worst enemy with that with that kind of stuff. And I really ended up getting to a point where I just said, look, if it helps one person, hasn't it been worth it? Um, and I, I, I kind of went in with the bar that low. Um, and so the reaction has been, like, truly, I mean this. And I feel like, language is so exaggerated now that it's hard to ever get across something but it's blown my mind like every day yeah. I wake up and I can't I can't fathom it so 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> How great. amazing you must just be on cloud nine. And so well deserved, by the way. Thank you. Um it's it ha- it's been a mad month. Do you know, I don't think I've myself and my friends have actually just booked into a, a local hotel next Thursday to have a night where we're gonna have a strange socially distant dinner and go for a swim in the pool with a very strict booking regime to try and like <laughs> stop and take a breath and take this all in because it's Aww. been it's been so fast paced. So I don't know I don't even know if I've had a, a second to to sit and think, but it's been a really, really fun couple of weeks. Oh, I'm so pleased. And I'm so pleased that you are taking a moment to take it in because it, these things are, especially when you work so hard for something and you put in so much of your own soul and passion and openness and you're so vulnerable in creating something, um, you know, it can be, you kind of just get swept up in all this excitement and then you just have to be like, I fucking did it like well done me and you know take take stock of everything yeah I mean we're we're two big advocates for the self-care but I, I mean there was definitely moments where I was like I have gone fully mad like why am I telling this story why am I doing this <laughs> I was like what is this motivation what what is wrong with me so I think it's been really nice to have that kind of um strange impulse validated both externally and internally and I am so pro taking a moment to stop and take it all in so I am really looking forward to that amazing well Daniela I'm so excited to hear your three moments so let's kick off with your first moment that made you so all of these moments are actually in the book as you probably expect seeing as it is a memoir examination of my life but um the first moment is I suppose a bit of a sad one actually um it's a very sad one but it was the first time that I was brought face to face with really acute grief and loss um and it was the first time in my very young life that I realized how absolutely precious and fleeting life is and it really really blew the boundaries off my world um I was 18 and I'd obviously experienced um loss prior to that you know I'd had illness in my family my mum had various uh health problems when I was growing up so I was always very aware of the fact that people could die but it always felt like something expected you know a grandparent or somebody who'd been ill so I'd never lost somebody all of a sudden um and when I was 18 my my favorite cousin and that really means something because I actually have 56 cousins um yeah we've got some big families over here in Ireland the Catholic Church did not like contraception um (laughs) so I have a lot of cousins so to say she was my my favorite cousin really means something um and she was she was about six years older than me and so I thought she was really cool and she used to give me her fake ID and I would go to the club but like with her fake ID and get in and then she'd be inside and we'd think it was hilarious um and I just you know when you're young and certain people take a, a role of real um idolizing for you like I just really idolized her I thought everything she did you know if she got her nails done a certain way I'd get my nails done that way if she got her hair done a certain way I'd get it done that way I just thought she knew everything and could do everything and she actually got um tattoos uh or stars tattooed on her bum and I actually got the same (laughs) so (laughs) still still to this day I have nautical stars tattooed on my bum that I got when I was like 16 um and I and I have never been a sailor nor am I even very good in the ocean so I don't know why I went for nautical ones but anyway um so when I was 18 she uh died very suddenly in a car accident Um, she had just dropped her daughter to school and she was driving to her 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 job in a medical center in a little village in Salins which is really close to my family home Um, and it was a really really foggy morning um, and there was actually a 60 car pile up on one of the major motorways um, near where I live um and she was the only fatality on the morning she actually she she drove into the back of one of the 
service vehicles that was there to um, obviously help with this pileup. She was one of the last cars led onto the road before they closed it. And there wasn't even any skid marks at the scene. That's how foggy it was, even though the sirens were on and she didn't, she didn't see it. She was only 24. Um, and I remember getting the call in work and I was 18 and I was like, hang on a minute what 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 do you mean at this point she was still on life support and I went to the hospital and she fought she was only five foot one she was tiny but she was so mighty and she fought for like 12 hours um after the accident um and the following morning took her last breath and I just remember my entire I, I still I tried to write it in the book and I still can't read the chapter I still cry every time I read it I remember leaving the ICU and I couldn't believe that people were like jogging and um, laughing and shopping and driving and I was like no 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 the whole world needs to stop this cannot I I couldn't believe how permanent death was and how much life just went on no matter what um and I'd never, ever had that lesson before, that in an instant, every, every plan you've made, every imagined future, every worry and stress, every single thing is gone. Um, and I'm in a strange way, I'm so grateful for that lesson because my life has been irreversibly different because of it. Um, and I know she's still with me every single minute of every day because that, yeah, I feel it. I, I think of her every day um, and my life is so much more colorful and interesting because of that realization. Uh, I started living like the day after and, and my whole life changed because of it. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it that really is did. so beautifully articulated. Oh, um, I actually I have goosebumps I, I really did the whole time listening to you speak and I mean I, I think that's that's when you talk about feeling like the world should stop and seeing that it goes on it's um, something I've had a few people mention when they talk about grief and it is uh, it is so I don't know, it's so poignant to think about, isn't it? And how long did it take you from that moment to, I mean, obviously now in reflection, you're able to kind of go, okay, this was an amazing lesson that I learned. But how long did it take you to really get to that place? Oh, like the grief was palpable, but it was almost instantaneous. Like it changed my life from the moment she passed away. Um, I was very... I was very lost as a teenager. I wasn't, I was smart, but I hated academia and I, I had really no solid plans on where to go. All of my friends had applied to college. I, I hadn't, um, I really didn't know what I was going to do. And Kate, her name is Kate. Um, I don't know if I said that, but before she passed away, she had plans to enter Miss Ireland to do, she really wanted to be a model. Um, and so I I took that role when she died. I, I entered the, the the pageant on her behalf and I ended up becoming a model off the back of it. I, I, I placed in the, in the top three and I got a modeling contract and six months after she'd passed, after she'd passed away, I ended up doing my first paid modeling job. And that really was the, that was the, 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 the change that was the trajectory for the rest of my life like everything I've ever done now it's like over a decade later has stemmed from that one decision to, to step into the boots uh, or the space that she left behind um so yeah it was like instantaneous um she is the catalyst for everything that's that's been since that's absolutely incredible yeah like I never had any desire to be any of those things it's, it was all for her and it was a fire in my belly I'd never felt before wow that's honestly one of the most sort of um tangible moments I think we've heard on this series that has had such a clear um sort of knock-on effect to the rest of your life mm. yeah and it's, it's that's incredible day. like she's been with me every day because it was a total domino effect you know um I don't know where I would have been without 
that lesson. It, it truly changed me to my core. Um, and all of my decisions still are, are made around that really stark realization that we just do not have the privilege of time that we think we do. Like I try to be really, really present, uh, for the good and the bad. Well, thank you so much for sharing that so honestly and so openly. And um, I actually feel very touched by that. And it's incredible to kind of get that sense that when somebody does pass away, that they can still live through us. Um, and it's something that I always try to tell people all the time, um, that people do live through others and that love shines through forever yeah totally I mean she's always always with me um every decision since has been based around that realization of how quickly everything can be gone um and how much she deserves to be here and so I feel like so much of what I do is for her you know, because she, she she can live it through me or something like yeah. that, you know? Yeah. yeah. And also I think, you know, there's a, something about death and that people try to avoid speaking about because it is so painful and it's it feels uncomfortable and it feels there's, there's a, a sense of fear around it, of course, you know. and um, But actually I think there is such... Um, strength and sort of beauty and being able to take a moment to acknowledge the impermanence of everything and when you are worrying about things to stop and just be grateful to be here now oh there's so much power in that I really believe there is and I think a lot of um a lot of our fear is definitely rooted in that existential what is all of this about and yes. like why are we here on this rock you know like and of course like it's a very universal thing to fear death but I also think there's a huge amount of power in facing its absolute inevitability and and not just its inevitability in in many many years to come but that it might be genuinely next week you just do not know um and I think when I when I learned that and I learned it uh, like I learned it so permanently I, I can't even tell you that it was stamped on my soul the day that she died um and every decision I ever make is absolutely influenced by that knowledge like it made me very um it made me very risk-taking I think in a lot of ways it made me slightly unconventional it definitely it's definitely led me to a unique life um and I wouldn't change a thing um, because I'd rather look back at the end and go, God, I really grabbed that by the balls. Like I really did yes. it all. Um, I love that. The being scared, you know. It's true. And I, I always encourage people, you know, and I always say to people, especially when it comes to sort of manifesting, is magic happens outside of your comfort zone. And I think by the lesson that you learn you were and taking those risks, you were able to constantly put yourself outside of your comfort zone and constantly, you know, allow magic to be created within your life. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if I knew that explicitly until more recently but like I now have such a detest for fear and the limitations that it put like it's such a mental box that you put yourself in because you're telling yourself you can't do these things and I I spent a few years when I was traveling really pushing on the limits of my fear because I just cannot live within those restrictions it just makes me feel like again you only get one shot what a, why am I not doing these things what's the what's the worst thing that's going to happen the worst thing that's probably going to happen is I I'll get a fright <laughs> yeah <laughs> and I can it's live with that, true. you know I can live with that I always say it's sort of wild that we we allow our negative thoughts to be so strong and our fear and our doubt to be so strong that it prevents us from evening imagining 
success. You know, when I ask people, I say to them, you like imagine yourself a year from now. And what I often find is people, even in that point of just asking them to imagine what they would want, they actually stop themselves thinking it because they already have their fears and doubts limiting themselves going, yeah, well, I don't want to even imagine that because it probably won't happen. It's like your your fear and doubts are so strong. You don't even dream, you know, and that's the, you know, the whole thing about dream big. It's like allow yourself to overcome that fear from the first step, which is just envisioning what you want. Mm -hmm. No, it's so empowering that you're able to give people that space to move beyond that, even just in thought or like it, it blows my mind. Uh, how powerful the mind is like every single thing we experience every story we tell ourselves everything we're capable of and not capable of is all just a mental construct so as soon as you can tap into the ability to train that or even just to be aware of it it's so so empowering and I do think um, moments like that often clear away a lot of the the bullshit a lot of the nonsense and kind of give you those moments of clarity and those moments of power and then it's just about staying in touch with those um as life kind of unremittingly just continues and things get back to normal but uh, yeah I think that was such a big one it was such a big one because she was so young so beautiful so incredible to me that I couldn't believe someone like that could just be gone um and yeah I never I never I never unlearned that I never forgot it and it's been it's strange to say now isn't it but it's been really empowering many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. So, Daniela, what is your second defining moment? Okay, so we're staying on a slightly negative tone here, but we'll start it on a positive. Um, so when I lost Kate, uh, one of the things I started to tap into was the things that bring me joy and, and following those threads of joy in a way that I probably never would have before because I was always just doing what I was told. I never really had that autonomy. I was just... Um, going to school, going to college, going to work. I, I hadn't, well, this, this is what I assumed was my prescribed path. And I hadn't really stopped to think about, well, what do I want to do actually? Um, and I found a real thread of joy in the thought of going traveling. Um, I definitely always had like a really innate, just absolute love and passion for the idea of exploring the world. Um, and myself and some friends, we booked a... A trip to Thailand back way before you could do like self-booked trips you know you had to go to like the travel agent and you got like oh, your, your tickets in the post yeah like all of that like and I remember you know like they sent us um some local words and I was like Saudika Saudika <laughs> saying hello to everybody when I got on the plane oh um, my god and I still remember it now like the 
feeling of going somewhere so exotic of like sitting on a plane for 12 hours or whatever it was and like you know even we flew Thai airlines and I even remember being like wow even just when I got on the plane um I definitely had a real aversion to routine and to the kind of prickliness of of just day-to-day life I always had like I was always trying to satiate this need and and for me I realized that I could do it with travel and this was when I was around um I think I would have been 20 so this was I was still very much in the headspace of you know when when Kate died I would I took that mantra like by by the shoes life short and I like I blew it up a million fold like and and I was still very much living on that um train of thought so when we went to Thailand I had the best time I remember this was another thing that really blew the boundaries off off my idea of the world and you know and I was I was experiencing a new culture I was meeting new people I was doing new things the tsunami had just uh, happened a couple of years earlier and I was having these incredible conversations with these really resilient communities and like yeah just learning and growing in a way that I just never had when I was just kind of toing and froing in the town of Nace um, in Ireland here. Um, and I remember a real visceral feeling of like joy and peacefulness and, and at homeness um, one day, like riding along the Andaman Sea in like one of those tiny little wooden pie boats. We were coming home from Maya Bay, you know, the um, the beach in the beach. Like it couldn't have been right. more cliche. <laughs> and uh I was having like my full Thailand like rom-com dreams Um, (laughs) and I was just remember this really really visceral happiness um and thinking you know this is where I'm meant to be I'm I'm meant to travel long term I'm a live out of the bag kind of girl um I I just felt like I found myself um and the next couple of days we traveled to Copenhagen we went to the full moon party and I woke up feeling really unwell as you might imagine <laughs> I was very worse for wear but um the feeling was different like it felt really unfamiliar it didn't feel like a headache or a sore stomach it felt like pain in my bones and it felt like pain behind my eyes um it felt like a really foreign illness um and within a couple of hours I like collapsed into the worst fever I could ever have imagined um and I kind of went into like something of an involuntary type of coma I think when you're truly really really ill your body really shuts down like non-vital functioning and you know you go straight into survival mode um and I remember the girls saying to me, like, you know, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, 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 please. Like, even these tiny interactions were actually painful to me. I was like, please just put me to bed. I'll figure this out in the morning. I just need solitude. I need sleep. Um, and like the fatigue was so unbearable. I, I can't even find the language for it, really. Like it, it, the idea of even like getting up to use the bathroom was just unfathomable. I couldn't. Um, and over the course of the next five days, I, I kind of just woke in delirious moments where like the bed would be absolutely soaked with sweat. And I would kind of, um, you know, tell the girls I was I'd, I'd be like, yes, I'm fine. I'd ingest like a little bite of a banana just so they'd go away and leave me alone. And they were sticking very rigidly to this kind of prescribed uh, activity plan that we'd done up with the travel agent. And, you know, we were all very young. And so it, and I was obviously quite healthy except for being very hungover all the time but you know it took a few <laughs> it took a few days for me to look as bad as I felt you know I, I it took a while for my body to start really looking quite as bad so I think I had this fever for around five days before one of the girls actually like insisted that I got out of bed and and you know stopped kind of agreeing to just let me have a banana and a glass a little drink of water and then kind of leave me alone again uh, which is what I would always be begging for but so I stood to get out of the bed and I was wearing, do you remember those juicy couture tracksuit bottoms that were like, yes. really tight? <laughs> yes. well, they were like 
billowing around on my legs I lost so much weight and when I stood up I fainted immediately obviously I was just oh very, my goodness really so you'd literally been in bed for five days yeah in bed and pretty much asleep to be honest with you I didn't even know what day it was day or night or I, I was truly delirious with this fever and also I found out later that this this stage of the illness is called bone break fever so my bones hurt so much it would hurt to like lift my head off the pillow it would hurt to like move your wrists or ankles or yeah it was just I just wanted to be entirely left alone it was just it was torture to open my eyes so I was just asleep most of the time but when I stood up and fainted my friends were like oh my god I mean they got such a fright because we were all so young I looked like I was dying they were like what is happening so needless to say I was like you know bundled into a tuk-tuk and brought to a local hospital where I was diagnosed with dengue fever which is it's a tropical illness which is transmitted by mosquito bite um, and there's no uh, vaccine and there's no cure so basically your body just has to kind of fight the virus and see how you get on so there's the reason there's no vaccine is because there's four strains it's quite hard to vaccinate against something that's so um I suppose it mutates. Um, but each one of those strains has the potential to progress into something called dengue hemorrhatic fever, which is the fatal strain, which is where you hemorrhage, as the name suggests. Um, so when I got home from the hospital, uh, I started to feel a tiny bit better because the fever broke. And then on the day I was flying home, which was a couple of days later, I started to get a blood rash on the palms of my hands on the soles of my feet and I was what's like that? A, what's a blood rash so it looks like I suppose you know if you have like discoloration under the skin and then you press it it'll go white right kind of like I, maybe is it like something yeah similar? yeah yeah you get, you've meningitis or something so it's like yeah it's like a, it's like it was like a deep purple rash under my under my skin on it started like looking like a little rash on the palms of my hands and the soles of my feet um and by the I was like I am getting on this flight I am getting out of here I was like until I look like until I look like an undeniable like flight risk until this rash makes its way onto my face I'm getting onto this flight I was like get me out of here so by the time I got home to Dublin from Bangkok the blood rash had made its way from my hands up to my elbows and from my feet up to my knees and I was like oh god I don't think this is good but I just wanted to kind of ignore it, get home, get better, get back to my family. And my mum had obviously heard that I was sick when I was away and was very worried and, and dying for me to get home. And when she saw me in the airport, I think she got quite a fright with quite how bad I looked. And in the car on the way home was Googling dengue fever. And she turned to me and said, Daniela, do you have any rash anywhere or have you had any bleeding, any nosebleeds or anything? And as she said it, my nose started to bleed. That sounds like dramatic effect, but honestly, that's what happened. So without even going home, we went straight to the hospital um, and I was quarantined prior to quarantine being a normal thing for about a month. Um, and I had no white blood cells at all in my body. So I was really susceptible to like other illnesses, you know, like sepsis or the flu or whatever. Um, so everyone who came in to see me, which was very few people were allowed, had to wear like full ET suits. It looked crazy. But um, how old I, were you at this point? Sorry. I was 20. Um, my goodness. And I had gotten the the hemorrhagic strain. So my body was starting to hemorrhage. Um, and I was, they were like, you know, if you start bleeding out of any orifice, will you just let us know? And I was like, absolutely. No problem. I was like, I'll let you know. That's fine. So, and I haven't even got to the worst part yet, but after about a month, my body did fight the virus. Obviously I'm still here and I started to recover. Um, but two things happened that really changed me as a result of having that illness. One was that I was told without question by the representative from the Tropical Medical Bureau that I was not to travel to anywhere that had a dengue risk fever in the future, which ruled out all of Central and South America, all of Asia, some of the Mediterranean, most of the Middle East, and mental was <laughs> basically confined to Europe. Um, and he said, if you get dengue twice, you are almost 100% um, certain to, to uh, 
to get the hemorrhagic strain again and there's not that many studies of people who've survived it twice um and my liver had taken such a beating from this virus that he was like you not only can't travel but you really shouldn't drink and a month later all of my hair fell out because my body what? had gone in yeah I lost every hair in my head I got temporary alopecia because my body had gone into I suppose survival mode and so things like secondary processes like hair growth and stuff just don't matter when you're trying to keep your liver alive and fight a virus so yeah my I, I had to I had just started in my career as a model I had long blonde hair I was a commercial model I was like I finally found my place in the world and then I had to shave my head and um not travel and not drink and so that was oh, a very very my god I am literally like my mouth is on the floor yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that was a very defining moment for me. And I, I didn't travel really to any exotic places for around a decade. I was so scared after that. Um, And in the book, I mean, it's interesting because the half the book is about travel and, and how much it meant to me and how I how much I found myself in that process. Um, but there was a huge amount of fear to overcome to get back into traveling. And then I also was a, an outrageous lightweight because of the beating my liver took and made many, many a mistake when I did get back into drinking after not drinking. I was so defiant. Like he was like, you shouldn't drink. And I about like three months later, I was like swinging drinks in a nightclub somewhere, making awful mistakes, all documented in the book. And then obviously, you know, when my hair fell out, I, I, I tried in many terrible ways to put plasters on the cracks of my 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 confidence um and I was like getting lip fillers way before Kylie Jenner made them a thing and I was (sighs) like you know I was I just yeah I I really decorated myself head to toe and that in itself was a whole journey and and a lot of mistakes made there but um yeah that was a really defining moment and I think I learned a lot of what I shouldn't do at that time (laughs) I have so many questions for you Okay. Shoot, I'm ready. <laughs> uh, firstly, I just can't believe if you imagine that most people when they're 20, that is the time for self-discovery, exploration, fun, going out with your friends, socializing. And to go through, firstly, what is can be described no other way other than absolute trauma. It is it is a trauma to go through an illness like that. Mm. Um, to be quarantined, which how funny that now we're quarantined is such know, a common word. But to be quarantined for a month at the age of 20 away from all of your friends and to have people come in and visit you in these sort of like hazmat suits or whatever Mm. would make you feel as someone that is defining themselves at that age and who they are and where they fit in the world must be um you feel abnormal you feel um like a freak you know that people like it do you know what I mean Mm. it's that horrible feeling of isolation and loneliness um Mm. and on the back of having reached this sort of amazing point in your life you know in that where you said in you're on the beach from the beach feeling that pure joy and happiness and then to go crashing down to such a you know such a terrible place how you know, I am truly intrigued as to how at that point you go from such a high to being in such a unique position that not many people can relate to you on. There's not, you can't go on sort of forums and ask how, you know what I mean? It's different to now. It's going on social media where people are much more open and vulnerable. Um, but how did you find the strength at that time how did you feel in those kind of in that month at home on your own going through this um talk me through that period of time it's hard to remember it explicitly now I mean I it's funny I, I I'm proud of the resilience because I don't remember it being a desperately miserable time and I'm proud of my body for you know, uh, having the innate knowledge to let the hair go to save the liver. You know, I, I think I was very grateful in a lot of ways, but the, it, it was kind of the aftermath that was hard. It was once I had recovered and once, you know, the doctors went away and the um, the kind of daily visits and the 
yeah, it was, it was once things were meant to be back to normal. I think that's kind of when things were hard. Like it, dengue fever really is the disease that keeps on giving because lots of people who get it as bad as I got it um, seem to have really high levels correlated with clinical depression in the aftermath. Now, I think the doctors t- told my parents that, but they they never said it to me, obviously to save me from contributing to this, to its onset in any way by anticipating it. And I don't remember feeling the way that I would associate you know symptoms of depression I don't remember that but I I do remember feeling very lost and very down and I remember trying to find myself like I'd lost so much weight I and I couldn't put it back on I ended up buying like chicken fillets and like butt pads off the internet no joke I swear <laughs> to god I was try, trying desperately to like re-establish my femininity you know I just felt right. like I was and I was getting recurring fevers that were just rippling on for for months and months afterwards um, as I said, I just felt like the worst loss was the loss of the of that joy that I found in the travel. I, I didn't even care as much about my hair. Um, I just kind of felt like, God, this has taken my freedom. And anyone who knows me at all knows that's like freedom for me. I, I've, I've never even worked for anybody. I just I just can't. Like I am so autonomous over my time. It's outrageous. Um so that for me was the, was the huge loss and i think it it did probably take me a number of years to to really find my equilibrium again after but you know when you're that young it's hard to articulate that stuff it's hard to probably um you know i think i think if you were to ask me then i'd say i was fine i'd say i was fine i used to just focus on the future i used to i used to like save pictures of the hair i wanted to have when my hair grew back and things like that you know I would try and focus on what was to come I love that I think that's brilliant actually I think on it when I went through my sort of depression during pregnancy I did that I would I would it was just constantly visualizing what was to come on the other side and I think that that um hopefulness is such a great antidote to sadness isn't it yeah and you know it's funny because it's like in contradiction to what I said about how death made me feel like I needed to be so extremely present and that you can't really kind of project those hopes onto the future but sometimes it is the absolute answer um and it gives you that motivation it gives you the it gives you back that sense of autonomy that you might have lost in that moment you're like no I can get there there's something to work towards there's a goal um and yes sometimes it's found in a simple thing as pinteresting yeah hairstyles <laughs> absolutely and I think you know what's good to know is I think you know what you've kind of articulated well here is that yes it's incredible to be present it's something we should all live by we all know that for our overall overall well-being, whether it's emotional, mental, or physical, being present and mindful is absolutely key. But there's also a time and a place for everything. Hope is also has its place. Looking to the future has its place. Being able to envisage everything that you want, all your dreams and desires, has a place. And I think you can actually be present and mindful whilst also looking to the future. And they can come in tandem, you know, it doesn't have to be one or the other. But it, it can sound like it's conflicting, but it's more just how you utilize each of these sort of tools to to yeah. best help you. I think it's context. And I think b- prior to kind of learning the the benefits of gratitude, I think because of how sick I was, I, I just innately had gratitude for getting better. And I think that also helped was being able to go, well, look, if I had to lose my hair, but I'm still here, I'm, I'm happy that happened. Um, and that was another tool. Amazing though. I mean, there is not a lot of people... I mean, there are people who go through less, I mean, much less traumatic things and and much more, whatever, but, um, you know, who aren't able to find that gratitude. It can, it's really, I always say to people, you know, it's actually, it's very hard to, it's much harder to choose to be happy. It's much harder to choose to make that effort to find the good in the tough situations, in the challenges of of life. And at 20 years old, to have that resilience and foresight to think I am going to just be grateful for what is and not what isn't, is absolutely astounding. And I, you know, and I'm sure that part of that came from Kate, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And you know what I, I recognized at the time was an avenue of possibility to lean into the victim, uh, lean into the illness, lean into the the need to be helped. And, and, and that felt safe, you know, and I felt like there was a part of me that could have done that. I could have just continued to be validated through needing everybody and and needing help and and that was that was scary to me I was like oh no 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 I, I need to sit with this on its own I need to not go down that route because who knows where that takes me like when do I get back my independence then if that's my identity if my identity is somebody who is now so fearful or now so unwell or now so you know so that was an interesting thing to think about but um, and I think it's also a place that we can get to, to feel safe, you know, is, is we become the negative. We, we, we sit in the negative because it becomes part of our identity and, and it's hard to move out of it then. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so true. I mean, I think we, uh, you know, I talk, a l- I've been really exploring this idea of letting go of ideas that we make around ourselves. And part of that is, um, if we have suffered from an illness, whether that's a physical illness or a mental illness, such as depression, anxiety, OCD, whatever it might be, we use it to identify ourselves. And we kind of become the person who suffers from X, Y, and Z, or the person who suffered from this and had this and that, you know. And so to let go and consciously let go of these old ideas that we have about ourselves and embrace new ideas of who we actually are in this moment and who we want to be um, is so unbelievably empowering, but it takes effort to do so and awareness as well to say this is something that could identify me, but I'm making the active choice not to let it. Totally. And I think that stuff is so brave and really deserving of credit because it's harrowing to do that. It's harrowing to, when we know who we are, we feel safe. So if you break out of that shell, all of a sudden there's no prescribed path, there's no signposts, and it can feel truly like unsettling. So I feel like anyone who manages to do that, who manages to push past these mental limitations, you know, you deserve a huge pat on the back. I think. It's, oh, absolutely. It's, very... it's reinvention. And the thing is, people are scared of the idea of reinvention because they think it seems mega, but you can reinvent yourself in any way and at any time. And it, it's it's a beautiful thing when you can do it. Sure, we're only here for a fleeting moment. Why not? Exactly. Just try it all. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> So, oh God, I'm honestly so loving this chat, by the way. Um, oh, thank you. Tell me, what is your third defining moment? Well, that would be when I met you. Uh- <laughs> oh, I can't believe this. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with my yoga teacher training for, for number three, um, which actually is when I met you. Um, <laughs> So yeah, in 2018, I had um, spent a decade prior to that really focused on my career. I had been working as a model. I had been working as a television presenter in Ireland and then had moved into uh, radio and had secured a a, um, pretty brilliant job hosting a breakfast radio show in the city here in Dublin um and was was doing really well you know like influencing was kind of in its infancy I had gotten um kind of swept up in that before it had any rules and regulations and um was very very busy working still as a model working as a as the breakfast radio host working with this kind of new online um advertising that all these brands seem to be kind of grappling to do um and also just by chance I also started to be called a DJ because I was working on radio and I would be DJing these really glamorous events every night of the week um and my work schedule was was really hectic um and I suppose I had kind of made a link between busyness and status and so it felt like it was what you were meant to be doing you know this was what a busy savvy woman does um and little did I recognize that I was absolutely burnt out beyond belief I mean like it started quite quietly um my health started to struggle again um I was I was 26 
27, 28 at this point. And I was just making like an inordinate amount of visits to the GP. Um, my emotional regulation was just non-existent. Like when I would be doing the breakfast radio show, we'd have to like load extra songs into the playlist so I could cry between things. <laughs> like I was all I was all over the place. And like my, my co-host would be like, what's wrong with you? And I'd be like, oh, I'm just crying about Trump or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like I was just desperately trying to like... Um, to kind of keep this facade of competency going like and I, I was so I was so um I was so bound to my productivity you know it really it was really a, a it became bound to my self-worth and and yeah there was a oh whole god I of- love I love that bound to your productivity I mean yeah that is so true I think so many people can relate to that I think actually one of the most beautiful things about this whole um you know COVID-19 pandemic I mean of course it's been an awful thing but we have had a chance to reset and we have all had the chance to address this issue of that need to be busy because you know there's like don't you find in social situations people compete socially with how busy they are you'll have a conversation and it's usually like how have you been I'm just so busy yeah me too Mm. I'm also so busy you know (laughs) and then it's always I'm busy but good busy yeah it's good to be busy you know and there's this (laughs) it's such a marker it's such a marker of success and I mean that is just not true like I would so rather be doing the least and still living a great life you know like just doing the absolute least like my new marker for success is a slow morning like a morning that belongs to me like that's that for me I'm like I'm doing really well I heard this quote the other day sorry but it's so relevant for now which says it's it was by Alan Watts um who I love and he said stop measuring days by degree of productivity and start experiencing them by degree of presence Mm, and I think that just sums that up perfectly absolutely I mean at this time I would not have been even able to remotely relate to that I was just completely um in that world you know like and I and I hated yoga by the way I hated yoga I hated meditation like I hated it I had no time for any of this like I just was like no so when I started going to the to the doctor so regularly um and I and you know at this point I had absolutely no idea that this could be a mental health problem or this could be the product product of of just utter stress um and I was looking for the 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 tablet you know I was like hurry up and fix me like I need to get back to work (laughs) I don't have time for this um you know and I'd worked really hard to get to that point so I wasn't I, I didn't have time for rest I didn't have time for this stuff um and after many months of of getting ECGs on my heart and MRI scans on my head as as my yeah like my my health was really starting to to suffer um she said to me, Daniela, like everything is structurally healthy here. Like nothing comes back as a problem, but yet you're describing these really worrying, you know, symptoms. Um, one of which, by the way, which was so irritating was just chronic digestive problems, which was affecting my skin, brain fog, like just the stuff that you hear about just, it, it's such a modern, like chronic issue. But um, she said to me, I think you need to look at your lifestyle. I think you need to do some yoga, some meditation. I nearly laughed her out of the room. I was like, what are you talking? I just, I was like, I'm not paying 20 euro to sit in a yoga class for somebody to tell me to breathe. Like I've been breathing forever. I I don't know what you're talking. I just, I had no interest, <laughs> like none. Um, but in my, in my desperation, uh, as things naturally continued to get worse because I wasn't doing anything about it, I did start to try and meditate. I hated it. I just, it felt like, utter boredom or if not utter boredom a a chance for my brain to like tell me lots of terrible things about myself and I just I just found that really unsettling and to be avoided avoided at all costs and then you know I would again in my desperation go online and pick a random yoga class I never knew what any of the names meant and they just made me so angry like I 
I just because you know I mean I know now yoga puts you in slightly uncomfortable positions and if you're if you're angry that discomfort's going to absolutely provoke the anger to come to the surface you know like you're, you're not going to be able to just suppress it but um I didn't have that self-awareness at the time and so I blamed yoga and I would I just I just thought it was yoga's fault um and so <laughs> when I went traveling um I I realized in the kind of growth of the journey which is all chronicled in the book um that I was kind of doing the same thing just under another veil like I was I was keeping busy while traveling I wasn't really sitting with myself I wasn't really doing the work and so when I ended up arriving at Vacasa I I suppose it was the first time I stopped it was I, I never wanted to be a yoga teacher and now I actually am which is which is funny but I, I did it at the time to to give myself a moment to breathe, to give myself a moment to try and examine the anger that yoga surfaced for me. Um, and it, at that time, I, I made some incredible friends. I, I learned a new skill, but I think the biggest lesson was the inner journey. Um, there's a whole chapter in the book about what I experienced in, in Vikasa and, and what that time surfaced for me. Um, and it was the most cliche yet truly life-altering uh, moment to, to sit in that anger that yoga provoked for me and to examine where it came from and to truly untangle it and to uh, take off the mask and kind of face myself in all my flawed glory um, and, to, and to find some peace with that. Um, and I know it was only four weeks, but it was profoundly life-changing for me. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was tough, wasn't it? Like, so, like I remember my body. <laughs> I think, I think I remember before I went, people would say like, you know, it's really emotional. And I was like, yeah, 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 whatever. I think most of us probably cried on a daily basis there. Yeah, yeah. It was, But didn't we form such a lovely connection? Like such a lovely group of, of girls. And I think it was so helpful to have that shared kind of untangling, <laughs> unraveling nearly, mm. you know? You taught me a lot, actually, on, on that trip. I remember, I mean, you're... I, I Honestly, can I just say, you have one of the most sort of amazing abilities to articulate yourself um, in a way that I've actually not heard in a very, very long time. You're... I'm so glad you wrote a book and it doesn't surprise me at all that it's so successful because you have such wisdom, such courage, such strength um, and you talk in such a sort of emotive way. I feel, Ray, I have absolutely just been sort of in awe of this conversation and of you. Um, And, you know, I think (laughs) it's funny that um, when I met you um, at Vicasa, you know, for me, you really represented this pillar of um, someone that was very, very um, self-assured, very confident, um, you taught me one of the best things I ever learned about food, which has actually completely changed my relationships with food. I'll tell you in a second what it was. Um, oh, I'm but it's, it's but it's crazy to think actually that that was one of your defining moments because um, obviously there was so much going on for you inward, and you'd actually gone there at a stage of your life where you didn't feel very self assured and confident and together. You were still on that journey, but from an outside point of view and from where I was, you were already there. So I think you know there's that thing where within us we have this kind of structurally we are who we are and you are someone that I think carries this kind of this incredible inner strength that radiates out to others even if in, in inside there was some conflict your authentic self and this then the self that sh- sh- shone through to me was this strong you know character which clearly wow. I was right about because look at what you've been through it's funny it's it is the most repeated thing I hear um and it's been said to me in different ways somebody said it to me in in the most simple straightforward way which is the one I like to repeat they say uh, or they said to me you always seemed too together to fall apart and it's definitely the thing I hear the most is like we didn't see it coming we didn't know there was no signs and I just for me it's given me a real respect for the complexity of of being a human of the many many layers that's that's happening in somebody and um you know nothing is personal really nothing is personal people are projecting out onto the world 
either what they what they feel they need to or what they feel they want to or what they have to um and I was never ever trying to curate uh an you know a personality for myself and I do genuinely feel very proud to say that I I am resilient and I do think I'm strong but um you know, I think people's interpretation of, of the way you move through the world can just, is just their interpretation. I mean, that's, that's probably the easiest way to absolutely. put it. Um, and it's probably best to just be absolutely true to yourself and, and doing your own inner work and doing your best because you're never going to be able to control the way others see you. And thankfully for me, it was, it seemed to be somebody who was very strong and capable and that's really brilliant, but that could have been to my own detriment too. You know, um, if I, you know, maybe I, I, I would have figured it out sooner if I hadn't felt like that was the that was the projection of what I was or something. I don't know. Maybe maybe people would have asked me, was I OK? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I, I think it's by the way you touch on such a good point um, about not taking things personally. And again, that's something that I always try and kind of remind people of is that um everything that people kind of say or you know is just it's it's just a projection of all their internal um feelings and thoughts and everything is a everything is a projection we come to any situation with memories um with um our own interpretation with our own mood so everything is kind of revolves around the state that we're in in any moment so we can never control the pe- the people around us or negative comments or things that are said or opinions of others. And I think that is exactly it. It's about being authentic to yourself. And that, that's why it's so important to value your own opinion above anyone else's. Mm. And I think when I, you know, talk about the way that I perceived you, what I think really I'm the the point the crux of it is that there was a sense of authenticity and i oh. think that one thing that i find i admire of people the most and whenever i look at all the people that inspire me or that i find inspirational or um that i find that you know kind of i think oh, when i especially before when i was not in the place that I am now but when I was a bit more um you know not just in a shit place basically but back then you know I would look at people who was who were confident in who they were and that was the thing I aspired to the most that was the thing I wanted for myself um is to be able to be self-assured and I want to tell you quickly um the thing that you had said to me I was I you know I've suffered from eating issues for as long as I can remember I have done in the past and you would eat and eat and eat and <laughs> and and have this sort of incredibly like you know you had no you were never complaining about your weight or your um uh bloating or this or that and you just had this sort of amazing figure and I was just like oh my goodness and here I am just you know trying to starve myself and I hate food but then also just you know binge eating and blah 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 whatever anyway and you said to me and I and I said to you Daniel how do you do it how do you just eat so much and and seem to be so at peace with your body and have such a beautiful figure and you said to me I really believe that it's how you take in the food and how you're feeling about food when you eat it so if you are eating your food and you're not stressed about it and you are sort of eating in a loving way then it will affect you differently to if you eat food in this kind of stress state and you're stressed about food and actually it makes so much sense now that you said that you were having chronic digestive issues and that you'd become aware that that was to do with your lifestyle um, and stress and everything and now you know I've actually really I always remember you saying that and I really make a conscious effort when I eat um, to be calm to be mindful to love my food to love what I'm putting in my body and it actually has changed my life oh that's amazing yeah, you're so getting into my you. real like hippie singing with the whale side now but like I, I fully believe like you we have to be connected with what we're eating like I mentally thank my food before before I eat it I'll be like thank you so much for like growing you're so pretty I love that <laughs> I'm like you know like you're so colorful and it must have taken you so long to grow this big and lovely and I thank you for nourishing me and you know like but yeah I do you know what I just for all of the things I've I've lacked and there's been a lot and for all of the things I've had to overcome I'm very grateful that um my relationship with food has never been an issue for me so if I if I had any innate wisdom I'm so grateful that I managed to pass that on and that yeah, you did. in some way um, I'm very happy that I managed to do that well babes 
I honestly, I, by the way, you can cut this out, but this is going to be the first episode of the second series. I've already decided. Because this, you are incredible. Like, honestly, I think you have just, you are just such a wise soul. It's all I can say. You just have such an an innate wisdom and a way of um, speaking to people and communicating so clearly um, and in a way that I think will genuinely reach so many people because you explain things and articulate yourself in, in a way that's so digestible. Um, and I absolutely know people that are listening to this will be so positively influenced by your story. And if they haven't already, they need to get your book because I'm, I can't wait to read it. I mean, obviously my reading time is behind thanks to Wolfie, but it is in my, um, bookshelf. I am dying to read it. Wade wants to read it before me. Um, he's already said, um, you know, and I, cause I want to hear about these, uh, mistakes in your twenties as well. <laughs> yeah. No, do you know what? Like there's, there's lots of good stuff in there. It's, it's juicy. And I also, I think it's, um, well, the feedback I've been getting is that it's, uh, very relatable. And I, I really wrote it, in a in a headspace that no one would ever read it so it's it's adequately cringe and adequately raw and authentic and um I think that's the only thing that makes it a worthy read because otherwise it's, it's puddle deep and very shallow um and I hope that I hope that it's it's more than that and that um and that it's it's helpful that's the thing I really hope I hope I hope it's helpful I hope it makes somebody feel less alone I hope it makes somebody feel more normal more capable more empowered and that's what I am so proud of with you when I watch from afar when I see how much you have just absolutely got into your flow and I love that you work now for others like it's so it just exudes off you you are so empowering to other women you just want other people to thrive and I just watch from afar and I'm like I know her (laughs) so much we we met you know at this like I think we met at a real crossroads and I it's just it's so it's a it's a beautiful thing and I'm really proud of you I was definitely at one of my lowest points when we met I think it was. You know, I think I was right there with you. Yeah. <laughs> you just you just couldn't see it. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking true. Well, thank you so, so, so much, my love. I honestly, I'm so grateful that you did this with me today. Um, I'm honoured. Thanks for having absolutely, me. Absolutely. You have made me just so excited to get this out. I'm like, right, people need to hear you speak now. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. No, honestly, thank you for having me. It's lovely to have these platforms to to chat with other women and to share our projects. And yeah, thank you. I'm thank really you so much, my love. And I'll call you soon because I'm desperate to catch up properly. Yes, I'd love that. Okay, love you loads, darling. All right, love I'll talk to you soon. Bye, sweetheart. Bye. bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.